0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Irish NFL show. So we had quite the weekend of American football. Even I watched American football this weekend. It was so exciting. So uh, just quick shout out to our Trouble partners, Cassidy Trouble. You can get playoff uh, packages. You can get Super Bowl packages. You can go next season. You go this season. It's all there. Go check them out uh great deals to be had and i know folks uh, who watch and listen have already availed of it too also just to quickly mention uh, at the start here we talked about this on the last show uh, there's a couple of upcoming live events uh, hitting the road on the road again so there's an, a live event coming up in the points bat hq And also in Captain America's, there's going to be, there it is, look at it up on screen for those of you watching us on the 27th of January, uh, 7.30 to 9, tickets are 10 Europas and you can get those on eventbrite.ie. I have fond memories from college years drinking cocktails at Captain America's so I'm sure the American football conversation will flow just as freely. All right, so welcome in to the studio tonight. We have Column, we have Brian, we have Mark, and we have Christina. Hello, everybody. Full house tonight. Okay. So, amazing weekend of football. I don't know that my opinions matter, but uh, I, was, I was entertained, uh, to say the least. Um, and we have some, I think only one of you picked all of them. So, we'll get to that in a minute. But maybe let's start um, with the Chargers at the Jags. And I saw those luscious locks uh, of Mr. Uh, Trevor Lawrence once and for all finally be on the big screen. It was amazing. Uh, Hair envy uh, galore. But in any case, I won't talk about the details. It was quite the comeback, though. I I was astonished. So I think we're going to have a little bit of uh, a chat about it from, from two of you. And then two of you can just chuck in a few thoughts if you want. But I'll start. With you, uh, uh, Colum, uh on this one, uh, what was your what was your take on this one? Uh, did Trevor
1: Lawrence's hair save the day? Uh, well, I suppose uh, it, you know, it it, it maybe played a played a role, and uh, you did see him afterwards. Uh, I think he was enjoying himself, you know, in a waffle house, uh, which uh, certainly, if anyone has uh, been to America, I have found myself at a waffle house at at four a.m. But I did not lead a team. Uh, in a comeback win for the ages, Kala. this, you know, was, was ultimately all about, you can look at it two ways that the talk has been all about the Chargers collapse, but I think the Jags and Doug Pedersen and what they achieved deserves a huge credit. I think Trevor Lawrence deserves, uh, you know, plenty of adulation because to go out and to throw four picks, every, everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong, and not to go to pieces, to be able to continue to um, just put that to the side, um, and then you you go on to lead your team to victory. And talked a little bit about uh, this with Christina on our Sunday morning show. Like it wasn't just that you know he. He played his own game. You could see him on the sidelines. You could saw him kind of take responsibility. He owned up to his mistakes, but he kept his team going. Um, and I, I think this is, you know, for long-suffering Jags fans, it's great that they they got this. Um, they have nothing to lose in next week's game. Um, and in fairness, they have been breaking records all, all around them now. They're going up against um, a, a very different beast next week. But I think they'll go in their void by, um, you know, obviously on the, on the crest of this. And um, Doug Pedersen has done a heck of a job in terms of the identity that he has brought to that team. And for me, the other part of it Gala, was the fact that you know with Dougie, he's going to roll the dice. But he's always going to roll the dice. The issue um, with Brandon Staley is that frequently he goes for it. But other times he doesn't. Like he'd go for it on sword down in his own half. And then he'd get into the opponent's half. And he doesn't go for it. At times where he really should. Whereas Dougie just rolls the dice. And whatever way it goes, it goes. Uh, but at least you know where where you stand in that instance. And uh, Travis EDN's kind of game winning run was a perfect example of that fourth and one um they have a really good qb sneak there with trevor lawrence being 6-6 six, six, but they don't do that they go to the outside and yeah just um i think a lot of people around the league will be pretty delighted for the the jags and for trevor lawrence I think they definitely will. And you called the Chargers Spursy. Do you
0: remember that there? It's Spursy. Um, Brian, what, what do you take on that? Uh, columns uh, did you think the Chargers were Spursy? Was it Trevor Lawrence uh, leading the way? D- dangerous Doug, should we call him.
2: Uh, there's Riverboat Ron. Uh, what what do, what do you reckon, Brian? I've been calling... Well, I haven't been using the word Spursy, but it's been the consistent message for me throughout the course of the season. Um, Colum tells me we've been going to a Waffle House. There was a time years ago when Bertie Aaron there was was shouting... At one of the uh, politicians that uh, he's a waffler. Yeah, uh, continuously in the dog, well, <laughs> their head coach of the charges is a waffler. He's also a spoofer. Um I mean, they're up twenty seven nil, largely down to the mistakes in which the Jags put, put themselves in a hole of the four interceptions. <clears throat> and uh, what Column says with Doug Peterson Bowling the dice, I did feel the manner of how they start the game. as then the aggressiveness of the offense. I felt bearing in mind it was the head, sorry, the quarterback's first effort. Playoff game I thought we wanted to be a little bit more balanced. Until they tried to use the room. But essentially they put it in the hands of Trevor Lawrence. And in the first half he was 5 for 8. And for 25 yards. And yet in the second half he's 23 for 29. 253 yards. And 4 touchdowns. And a lot of people are, are suggesting they missed. Field on the second half was a turning bite for the Chargers. But I'd go back to the first half. and Probably get a little bit into the detail of it. But there was three eleven left in the first half. They've got the ball. The Chargers have the ball. They're 27 in up. They're doubling down because essentially if they can if they can uh, see out the clock to, to half time, they're also getting the ball to start the second half. And you would then expect them to try use Eckler, the running back, to try to keep utilise the clock, get them in potentially even get another score, but instead they, they go throw, throw, um muffs play, and they have to punt, and then obviously then the Jags get a bit of knife with a touchdown before half time. And then the second half they start off with a Minus 4 yard run and then they give up on the run and the next 10 players are essentially all pass plays. Which just leads to the, giving a bit of life to the Jags. Look, it's a fantastic comeback for the Jags. And the, the last 5 games in which they played at home, they've been down by 9 points or more. And yet they've come back to win every single game. Which shows the manner of the fighting spirit that they have under the, the head coach. We all knew at the start of the season that we'd see a different Jags with this head coach. And obviously he has the experience he's winning the Super Bowl. But for the Chargers, I still don't understand how that guy's in the job. But... It looks like they're going to maintain him for another year. They get the Leeds to Carlos Point over the weekend. They don't want to pay a lot of money for a quality head coach. They'd rather stick with what they have and pay buttons, as opposed to, as opposed to reaching out to the likes of Sean Payton and paying him the proper dollar to get him in and coach, uh, quality quality uh, quarterback in Herbert. Yeah,
0: fair enough. Much like Spurs holding on to Antonio Conte, even though they're wherever they are in the league. But this is not Premier League soccer we're talking here. Uh, any other things you want to throw in there Christina any
3: thoughts on the game yourself uh... look at I actually thought I ruled out Trevor Lawrence by the time he had the fourth interception I literally was sitting here looking going what is happening where is the Trevor Lawrence we've seen you know I, I put up some jokes about it but it was quite difficult to watch given the fact that we've just seen him be so strong and that offense so strong just seems that defense caught them completely by surprise. I think what's interesting is that this was actually the thir- third largest playoff victory in NFL history um, within the AFC South. The first one actually was in 1992, was the Oilers uh, v. the Bills, 19, or 2013, which was the Colts and the Chiefs. And then obviously, we've seen what happened over the weekend for sure. I think big kudos needs to work to Travis Etienne. He played an absolute blinder on the day. I haven't heard you guys mention him. He's now becoming very quickly one of my favorite people. Um, it just he just seems to have that speed when he's doing the rushing, um, and I just feel for the Chargers right now because they were so close. None of us expected them to be that close. They were so, so close,
0: so close.
4: Mark, anything to add there? Well, I picked the Chargers to win, Kelly. So uh, you know, I think out of all of us on this show, I've got a little gliver uh, <laughs> and uh, pain in my arms with him after that performance. Um, I mean. They were 98% win probability with a couple of minutes left in the second quarter. There was still a 95% win probability, um, six minutes gone in the fourth. They, there, there is, I mean, Christina just read out the biggest comebacks of all time. The fourth on that list, by the way, is the Patriots against the Falcons in the Super Bowl, which is no relevance, I just want to mention. worrying. Oh, boring. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, yes, it is the third biggest comeback of all time in playoff history. And Lawrence started, let's not forget, I mean, he's giving him credit for coming back. He was four for 16. In that period of time, he'd thrown just as many passes to his own team as he'd thrown to the opposition with the four interceptions. It was the most abysmal start to a a playoff game by any quarterback in history. No quarterback had ever thrown three interceptions in the first quarter of a playoff game. And yes, we are giving the Chargers stick here. They deserve it incessantly. Um, The missed field goal, like every part of of the team broke down The defence let the uh, Jags walk all over them in the second half. Jags had four drives, three touchdowns, and the game-winning field goal. The offence got nothing done. Two punts, one of which on third three and out, when they really, if they just put a couple of plays together, a couple of first downs, they would have won the game. One missed field goal and one field goal. After scoring 27 points in the first half, it was a cataclysmic implosion Brendan Staley is probably losing his job. If he doesn't lose his job, he should. But the reality is, the Spanos family are tight and are very unlikely to bear the cost. But it was a coaching breakdown. It was a player breakdown. Defense broke down. Offense broke down. Special teams broke down. I'm going to add them to the infamy trinity. Okay? There are three teams in the trinity now that you should never, ever rely upon or bet upon. One of which is playing tonight. One of which also played the weekend, and we'll get to them in a second, because I did listen to my own bloody advices about them. And the last one, now repeat, you know, creating this unholy trinity, is the Chargers. Never trust on them, never bet them, and certainly, certainly never pick them when you're the only one picking Ah, well, you know we need outliers in this world too. Okay, the unholy trinity
0: it is. Um, right. Let's move on to our next one. And just a reminder to those of you watching us: keep those comments coming in. Brian uh, and Christina are going to flash them up on the screen as we go. So our next one is um, it's going to be the uh. Oh, remind me here. Oh yes, I'm looking at. I'm look, sorry. I have my notes up on the screen. Then I have my bloody notes here. So it's the dolphins and the bills is what we're looking at next. Am I right? No, I'm wrong. I'm right. Brian, remind me where we're going now.
2: You're going with the logos in the corners. See, see,
0: I knew that. I looked at that and then I went, that can't be right because my page here says a different thing. You see, I think I printed this out before I told me to. But, uh, okay, anyway, never mind. So we're going to see Oxen, sorry or San Francisco 49ers. And I'm going to ask Christina for her comments on it for starters.
3: Well, I'm still shocked, people. Print things. I really and truly am. I know. It's um, terrible for
0: trees. Sorry.
3: Look, I think what we've learned this weekend is it's been a very strange weekend for wild cards. It's been a tale of two halves every game this weekend. (laughs) And it's just been mind-blowing. We're going to see what's going to happen with Monday Night Football soon. But I think you look at San Francisco really showed, came up and showed themselves as being, as Cullen put it so eloquently over the weekend, the bully boys of the NFL. That's all they are. They've actually bullied their way to where they are. Nothing to say that. Brock Purdy hasn't been amazing. And the offense that is there hasn't been absolutely amazing. But the the Niners really did show that they were the bullies of the American football kind of dynasty time, the wildcard weekend this weekend. Their defense has just been really big all season, play after play. They have just dominated. And I think we've seen that Saturday was no different. The Seahawks, again, did lose their lead, um, which was very... Frustrating, because I really thought they had a chance. Nick Bosa picked up that fine, which we're all going to see towards the end of the week. He got a little bit hot under the collar. Um, And I just think that Birdie really, Brock Birdie just showed how much he relies on the people around him to be able to drive forward. And I think you can see that with Carl Shanahan, that he's really invested his time in this team and the coaching staff to be able to build the team, to have that confidence that everyone is going to back him up.
0: Yeah. Fair enough, and it doesn't hurt when you have Christy McCaffrey in your team, damn them. Uh, Mark, what about it to you? What was your take on the Seahawks and the Niners?
4: Um, well, it was it was closer than maybe Christina's given a feeling. I mean, the Seahawks were leading a halftime, time In fairness, I mean, the second quarter they um look, it did start. Four ers went up ten zip pretty quickly. It was like nah, this is going to be a walk away and fair play to pete carroll and geno smith and kenneth walker um they've put some drives together they put 17 points on that extremely extremely good do not dig every role extremely good for your know, defense in the second quarter and all of a sudden we were like hang on a second they couldn't do this really could they like this is uh unforeseen territory huge credit has to go to brock birdie i mean you throw us a 40 D's as a rookie in his first ever playoff game of course it's about the surrounding cast, though. Debo Samuel going off for a plus 100 in receiving yards. Christian McCaffrey over 100 on the ground. Kittle went in here and there. I mean, it, it is what we have talked about a lot. He has the right weapons around him. It's a very strong offensive line. And then the defense makes up for it. And in fairness, that's what closed this game out. It was those first three drives of the second half. We're going touchdown for the 49ers. Straight out the gates. Getting the ball back in the second half with the pressure on get that false fumble as you, you said Christina and Nick both recovering that and then they walk down the field and put another touchdown on the ball suddenly Seattle are down by two scores not barely up by a point and I won't say the game was effectively over there but it certainly felt like it um, the final score maybe flatters the 49ers a bit um, there were times when Brock Purdy still did look like a rookie in his first ever playoff game and perhaps uh, uh, a stronger defense might get to him. Seattle should be very happy with the season they've had. They've got a lot of picks now to further bolster, and they have found uh, in Geno Smith's re- reincarnation, shall we say, this year, a viable quarterback for them uh, going forward as well. But the 49ers go on, obviously, home this week to a team as at as the moment, as yet undetermined, um, with the opportunity to keep this train on the road
0: train on the road indeed um, Brian uh, and Colm I just want to get your quick thoughts on it as well Uh, maybe to you first Brian Uh, any any observations or stats any good stats for me
2: yeah I have a good stuff for you they called 19 passing plays in the first half I felt they were putting poorly under a little bit too much pressure Colm rightly called it at half time and social that he looked very near and he was a bit erratic In the second half I think they came back to a more balanced offence which allowed him to then kind of charge him in the what he's done over the past few weeks is just to rely on other players to help him out. Not help him out, that's probably unfair, but certainly just to play the game which, he, which works for him. I thought there was too much pressure on in the first half. People are going to wonder where they can get at this 49ers defence, you know, to whoever comes and plays them next weekend because we don't know what we're going to get from the Bucs offensively or the Cowboys depending on who plays them. But the last three games in their secondary they've been exposed quite a bit. Siddham for the Raiders did it. Blau, who's not, hasn't had a great career um, with the Cardinals And Gino did quite a bit on, on terms in the secondary as well. That would be Something that they will need to clean up because they're getting the air getting exposed in the secondary, and if they get into a position where during the shootout game, okay, it'd be interesting to see whether they can keep up. But no, look, it was it went the way we did in the end. Probably took a little bit longer to get there, but um, it was a well deserved yeah. They nearly got the you called the nine
0: wins for the Seahawks, so it would have been unfortunate if they'd gone and got another one. Right? Actually, oh, that would that, have been annoying for you because you can still gloat about that with the the rest of the gang. Okay, Colm, any thoughts uh, from your side on the game?
1: Yeah, I'm surprised nobody else. To me, this game changed entirely the moment Jonathan Abram um, tw- tried twisting debo's eye cut that to me was the turning point to this game because it absolutely woke the Niners up I thought it all seemed very very flat um you know I mean Roy Keane talked about prawn sandwich brigade at Old Trafford my goodness um you know the the money from the Bay Area maybe makes the 49ers faithful um not quite as raucous as they were in candlestick and I felt the team were flat um I've called them the bullies but Seattle matched them and out them for much of the, the first half until such time as that happened. And you saw a couple of Rice smiles, and you saw Pete Carroll enjoying it, and that did not go unnoticed amongst the 49ers, Stateful, and amongst the players. And after that, they decided to play Smash Mouth. And my goodness, um, you saw the train. The, Mark talks about trains, and uh, you saw that the train certainly come off the tracks because all of a sudden the penalty started mounting. All of a sudden, it was the uh, false starts, the uh, illegal men downfield, and it all went wrong. A lot of that was the the crowd noise. So uh, I saw Abram do that time and time again for the Raiders, a fantastic uh, player with lots of ability, but absolutely no brain. So he might need to join um, at the Yellow Brick Road on the way to Oz and get himself one of those. Uh, but ultimately, that to me was the turning point for this game very good
0: and did they actually play smash mouth the somebody once told me or was it uh, you were referring to the actual game itself fair enough fine never mind okay well we'll move on and i wanted to talk about this game a moment ago but now we actually are going to talk about it actually no we're not i'm making balls of it again so let's look at some comments shall we christina Bryan. Why don't you just run the show and I'll just I'll facilitate my own mess here. Uh, See, I'm in a different room tonight. That's why the vibes
2: different. Uh, Over to you for the comments, Uh, Jeff. Jeff, chosen the valid points. The Niners played on Saturday. Um, You've got the game tonight, which is still as Merck called it rightly that we don't know right now who's going to travel out to to the Bay Area to Santa Clara next weekend. And yet, I have to say, the 49ers, who are already going to be you know, the main favourites of the game anyway, also get the additional rest. So yeah, it's a, look the NFL changed the last year to bring in this Monday night game for the fourth time tonight. They're not gonna get away from me. It. It's just it's just what it is and obviously one of them will have to get a um, get themselves quickly. A, a little bit, bit extra. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um just ruin the show quite a few areas perhaps. And
0: keep them coming in, folks. It's always good to show your comments up on screen.
2: We're going we're to come to this game and obviously keep you, and the nature of the game and how it played out. But we all did feel this was going to be a bit of a, a blowout. A it didn't materialize. It looked like it for quite a while. I won't ruin it because we're going to get into it now. Um, and then Jeff again, just complimenting Trevor. Someone said to me at halftime in that game, how could you ever trust a guy with a name called Trevor? But well, Maybe you'd be a little bit more trusting of Trevor Lawrence after that second half performance.
0: Indeed. And apologies to anybody called Trevor out there. You're all very trustworthy and lovely, I'm sure. Not as lovely as his hair, but I'm sure you're lovely nevertheless. Okay. Well, listen. Uh, and by the way, as a quick aside, I actually bet on the 49ers to win the Super Bowl this year. Not that I'm a big betting man, but I did. So still, still going. The train is still on the tracks, as they say, Mark, um, as opposed to the road. Um, okay. Dolphins at Bills is what we are talking about now. This one I watched in its entirety. This was not a washout. This was not an obliteration. This was really close. Like it went back and forth. It was, it was a, a cracking game. Um, so maybe, uh, let's get, let's get your thoughts. Uh, first off Mark on this one. And where did it,
4: why was it so close or what happened here? How did it go? well i think i've got to start on this one by just acknowledging a few things number one is the first few minutes of the game it looked like my pre-game prediction and commentary which was quite blunt and direct there was definitely no backdoor cover was that you know 42-3 was my main prediction uh in relation to it for the bills i was pretty vicious i would say and today all i can do is you know apologize and go down on bended knee to Don Schuler, Dan Moreno and Mark Clayton, to Zach Thomas, uh, to Dolphins fans everywhere like Ed and Keith and Steve and multiple others who, who cared to let me know as my feelings. I will lie myself prostrate in front of Enios, the former Greek goddess of pity, mercy and compassion and beg for their mercy uh, at how stupid and wrong I was. Skylar Thompson, played in many respects the game his life he was asked to throw the ball for 46 times and he actually did and didn't give up stupid mistakes Dolphins defense kept them amazingly in the game it wasn't just the fact they got turnovers Josh Allen they got big returns back which massively helped their position they got a great punt return they put the Bills under so much pressure in fact if you want to be really critical the Dolphins had every opportunity to win this game I mean there's some questionable coaching decisions you know the goal row into shell coverage on 3rd and 19 leading to uh, a pick but a pick of Skyler deep in Miami territory wasn't the greatest call at that point in the game and that where the momentum was but let's not forget they had the ball at the end one more drive to maybe false overtime you had Jim Nance and Tony Romo talking about oh we might see the the new overtime rules this time and you can almost sense their palpitations I mean I'm glad it didn't go to overtime, because it was a four-hour long game. So, you know, Brian would have missed half of the Vikings and Giants game. Um, and, and there are questions going forward. Did the Dolphins expose that there are flaws in this Bills team? That, you know, uh, maybe a more high-powered offense could continue to exploit further, like the Chiefs or the Bengals. But overall, I think it's more about the Dolphins, how they stood up as a team. Mike McDaniel led them into battle extremely well. And they got contributions from every single phase and shut up an awful lot of loudmouth idiots who were writing them off, including me. <laughs> Very good. Column what
0: about you? What was your take on this one? It was it was a cracking game, wasn't it?
1: yeah no, it really was and um I had somebody from this very panel uh calling me out on social media just a few minutes in uh to to the game because I had said that uh, I didn't expect it uh to to be a blowout and uh one of my fellow analysts say, uh, you know made a comment when it was um seventeen zip um to to me yeah look um i divisional rivals and um that that plays a, a part. Uh, in this, uh, I think we we'll talk about the other games later. Um, I mean, to me, I I was absolutely furious at the clock match. I mean, this made Nathaniel Hackett look competent. I wasn't sure if that was the point Mark was trying to make with his giant uh, clock behind his head, but honestly, it was. It was insane, kind of watching them. They had fifty-one seconds to get it right, and Mike McDaniel comes out afterwards and said the the refs said um, that they had a, a first down. Oh well, I want more information on that. How was that allowed to happen? I just time and time and time again, and I get it. You've got your third-string QB in there, but ultimately somebody has to take control of that. Um, I, I'm amazed that there there weren't uh, kind of more repercussions because. Um, there is a kind of a famous or infamous video of a Philly fan um, losing the plot and uh, punching his uh, TV screen uh, from a few years back. And I have no like affiliation for the Dolphins, been to Florida like once, not been, you know. And I was losing my mind watching it. Um, i I can't believe um that there were there kind of worked kind of more repercussions from that because ultimately they came so close. For the bills, this is a case of the you managed to, to get over to get against the the dolphins. but um they they have the ability to make chunk plays, possibly unlike anyone else because the the chiefs are almost more methodical now without Tyreek Hill. Um, but the bills can get the the chunk plays, But Josh Allen has got to be more careful with the football. Um, he has thrown um and and significant number of interceptions, and he just can cannot continue to to do that. Uh, they got it. they got away with it ultimately. um, but uh, I think um Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins have got to figure out maybe they need to bring Jerry Rossberg in from the Broncos to sit in the box and look at at the watch and tell them what's going on. Fair enough. Somebody look at the watch, please.
0: Yeah. um Brian, what about you? Any quick thoughts on it?
2: We have some nice prizes at the Captain America's event, but I don't think it lends a hand to a new television for Colin if he has <laughs> smashed in that that current one. Um, you, look, I'm not going to get into the office part because the guys have really summed it up very well. But and can will do just at the end there. Like the Bills' offense, and like, this team are the Superbakers of the Super Bowl. They have been since the start of the season. But the offense, I don't, I don't really understand how the offense works. It's in, like it's it's high energy. It's very attractive They watch. At the times they go down the field, up and down on teams. And then they seem to do that very quickly on teams. And then it tends to just fizzle out. It goes away. They might come back again. Have another big drive in the tour quarter. It goes away again. They come back. And I understand teams adjust to it. But the nature of how they play their offence. And how aggressive they are. And the nature of their quarterback. You would expect consistently. And I just, we haven't really seen that a lot lately. And they do put up good points. Don't get me wrong. But I think when they come up against a stronger team in the playoffs. You know. You know but they get into a shootout. And end up winning. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure because if they go missing for two quarters in a divisional round next week against the Bengals side or if they do manage to play the Chiefs, I'm not sure they have be left with a position in the fourth quarter where they're still hanging around to get the win. So I think there's a lot of work out for the Bills over the coming weeks um, and obviously it's going to have to be corrected quickly. We're going to get into their opponents shortly in terms of how that uh, Bengals-Ravens game in. I'd be slightly concerned, a little bit nervous was a Bills fan right now. Fair
0: enough. Christine, anything to add to that?
3: I just think it wasn't particularly a smooth display from an AFC number two seed. Really didn't think it was anything there, especially in postseason. It's about survival and advancing and that's all the build's done. Um, You know, we've seen their offense obliterate at the start, which obviously allowed for me to call out column. but obviously I should have clicked delete on that tweet right away after it, because um, it just seems that, you know, Skylar has been, I don't want to say he's he's quite young but he just seemed like to be an underdog signal caller this weekend and it just seems to have been something that his quick kind of snaps on the on the signals actually made the bills move up, and it get the miscues actually made the the dolphins sorry i can't even think now made the dolphins move up the <laughs> <laughs> made the dolphins go up the pitch even further and you can see that if these continuous miscues actually do something next week for the bills They're going to be in a lot of trouble against the Bengals. That's something that the offense for Borough will be looking at definitely over the next few days.
0: Yeah. I suppose there's one thing as somebody who's not as as well-versed in the game as you guys are, but like looking at the week or weeks that the Bills have had, there may have been some of that at play as well, surely, that they weren't 100% on their game and maybe this was the wobble they needed out of the way. You know, you never know. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. In a real-life fight between a dolphin and a buffalo, I, I'd probably back a buffalo, though, I'd say, you know? I don't know about you, but
4: that, that'd be my take on it, anyway. Buffalo, okay. brown. The buffalo would drown, Calum. I
0: suppose, yeah. <laughs> it depends on where they fight. I suppose if it was on buffalo territory, different story, right? Um. Okay, grand. Glad we're getting the important shit sorted. Okay, now we're going to go to the Giants at the Vikings. I know one person who's extremely happy about this, and in fact, uh, I watched most of this, Brian. You'd be glad to know, but then I was just too sleepy. Uh, But I did, I did have a look at it, and I thought, Brian, Brian will be happy enough. Brian, what I I must go to you. Uh, Talk to me about Saquon and all the good things that happened there.
2: Um, uh, everything so much went right for the Giants last night in terms of game and how it was structured, how it played out. You hold the Vikings to eight drives in the game. The drives in which the Giants had in the first half were so methodical they use up so much clock it was it, uh, it just it was working so well and at one stage it looked like they were gonna go twenty one seven up unfortunately there was a you know a, a slip on the line. There's the two players running across rail. and obviously that's that's not allowed. So they they took a field goal and, and allowed a little bit of momentum to come back in for the Vikings. But I said on the show the other day that the Vikings secondary and, and the Viking defence as a whole this season has been quite erratic so it was quite surprising that they got them the position they they did in terms of thirteen wins, they were averaging two hundred and fifty six yards a game and giving up and was Daniel Jones had a really fantastic game yesterday. Um like you see the numbers in which Hodgins put up, even Richie James, Slayton obviously had the, the bad job at the end, but he had a really strong game. They did it. They did so much to them and they did a lot to them in on Christmas Eve and then Saquon wasn't to me wasn't as effective as he could have been because they didn't use him in the wrong game. They essentially relied on Daniel Jones with seventy eight yards rushing, two touchdowns. 24 25. it was a come out game for him I was worried going into the game it went under the pressure of a first playoff game for him bearing in mind his career state but um, it didn't really play out that way he was so confident and then defensively I mean you, when you take your players such as Jefferson and you only allow him 47 yards he says he took him out as like an half and one player when Jefferson isn't playing well that seems to obviously have a big game is Cook and not so much the Russian but the screen pass to him we saw what he did against the Colts, for example and that came came back they held in for six catches for 10 yards and defensively they played a really really strong game and it just all came together. Colin could rightly call out Dexter Lawrence to day in terms of the impact he's had over the course of the season rather than the bigger players on defence and again they couldn't they couldn't stop him and whilst it wasn't sacking Cousins he was getting him time and time again and putting him under pressure <clears throat> and we did call out on the show towards that if you put Cousins under pressure and you get him outside the pocket he is prone to mistakes and once. He didn't throw interceptions. You could sense he was very uncomfortable. It's a big win. It's a great win. And um, look, they're battle testing now. And obviously, they gave the Eagles a very strong game two weeks ago with with their uh, backup players. It'll be interesting to see how they handle um, a different dynamic in the quarterback of Hertz this weekend. But look, for Giants fans now, we I believe we're overachieving to where we where we should have been at the season. Uh, Mark called out today. He felt that the Giants were just happy been to be in the playoffs. I call back that. Believe really that was the case. I felt that they really could win this game, haven't played them so strongly on Christmas Eve. Be interested to see how this weekend goes now.
0: Well, to be even happier if they beat the Eagles, surely. What a rivalry that is. Okay, Colin, what about you? What's your take on this one?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, a brilliant performance from the, the Giants. Uh, it was interesting in terms of Daniel Jones because there was one drive where it was Daniel Jones run, Daniel Jones run, Daniel Jones run. It was like, I remember when you were playing computer games and you'd find <laughs> a, a glitch in the Matrix, like uh, playing Striker. If you went to the corner of the box every time and you, you pressed uh, the square button to go top corner, it was like that because the Vikings just didn't seem to be able to kind of understand, oh, it's going to be Dial Jones' run. So the, the Giants exploited that. And it was kind of late into the fourth quarter before the Vikings kind of finally woke up and went, hang on, this guy seems to be running the ball a lot. And look, um, got the opportunity to talk to Arif Hassan uh, last week. And we talked about how, um, you know, everyone knows uh, Minnesota nice, uh, but that the Vikings fans hadn't been particularly nice to Ed Donatel. And you could see that on display, understandably, again, yesterday. I think for the Vikings as well. I mean, ultimately, like Kirk Cousins is uh, a good, occasionally very good QB. But the last play, like, kind of summed it up. I mean, you're you need to throw it beyond sticks. The, I mean, like the Giants' uh, defender is right there, and you just you just throw it, and great, you get another kind of tick on the the stat line, card that you completed the pass. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, your your season is, is over. I I don't think they can move off him this year, and I I think he's fine, but I think. For the Vikings, they really need to find ways. It's it's a bit like the the Jimmy G uh, conundrum. You have to find ways to to win with Kirk Cousins. You're not going to win because of, of Kirk Cousins, and for Daniel Jones, what a, what a performance! He does show um that that coaching matters, and uh, it will be kind of fascinating next week to see um Daniel Jones and um you know Vanilla Vic. Uh, going uh, into uh, to Philly to take on Jalen Hurts. Very good. Vanilla, Vic. I want to meet this person. Okay. Priscilla, what was your take on the
0: game very quick?
3: I'm just going to say it. The last time the Giants got as far, as, this far in the playoffs, they actually won the Super Bowl. I just had to put it out there because I know Brian is probably holding... How long, long ago was that? Right. 2011. <laughs> Anyways, um, I can say that happily and also... Quite depressed as well at the moment. Um, so I actually do think it was actually a very good game. I think what's interesting is again, this is another quick game where the Vikings started off, got a touchdown, Bills came back equally just as hot and heavy. Uh, just going into the half, the Bills were, uh, Giants, sorry, were up 17 team, I think going into the half but then they never actually dropped anything after that the second half just seems to that everything came out all guns blazing I think my highlight of the game was Dabble's post-season, or post-conference and they asked him about Jones and he said he played good they're like do you have anything else to add to this and he was like he played good everyone played good you know he's like I'm a coach I'm not a writer and I really like that about him and you can see that as well with the team. You can see how the offense, the defense, special teams, everyone, they all work together. This is what a team should look like. This is what we're saying, you know, a team is. And you can see that they all believe in Brian Dabble. They all support him 100% just like he does with them. You can see him reflecting before he goes into the games. He takes in that moment, he takes in that family time with his kids in the stadium looking around really grateful for the fact that he's there but we can also see that the education that he's bringing, the teaching he's bringing to a lot of these players and the mindset change he's bringing is really bringing up some key players within the team that's going to help them next week when they advance on to play the Eagles
0: I thought you were saying when they they win next week against the Eagles we'll see about that Uh, I'm not saying that you're not saying that, Uh,
4: you'd never say that okay and Mark what about you final thoughts on this one um, my worry for the Giants going into the game, Cali, was that the Wing Martindale's defence wasn't doing in the second half of the season what it have been doing in the first half of the season. I called out, I think they were 2-5-1, and one, Brian, over the second half, or 2-7-1 and one even, sorry, over the, no, 2-5-1 over the second half of the season. And uh, they weren't getting the stops on third down, they have always given up yards, the whole season long they'll give up yards and you can move the ball on them it's very much we'll let you do that in front of us when it really matters we'll get the stop when it gets to the third down we'll get the, the stop in the red zone or we'll get the turnover when it suits us and that was the great complimentary football with the leaning on Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones um, last on it they stood back up and yes the Giants got a couple of lovely drives including a very quick drive at the end of the first half which I'm sure was very frustrating and I wonder about the state of Brian's television at that point in time um, but for the most part they got their stops on third down their defense played like they were at the start of the season and on offense it was beautiful i just, in the first quarter i thought saquon barkley had been loaded into a cannon and fired out of it because every time he touched the ball he's more electric than i think i've seen him all season he was hyped for that i mean he only ran the ball nine times at 100 109 yards from scrimmage overall between receiving and rushing Daniel Jones actually ran the ball nearly twice as many times as Saquon Barkley. That's how much they lean into it. There was the the horrible moment actually on that wonderful nearly 11-minute drive where they ran power QB. And even Daniel Jones at the end of that, and they only went for two yards, always looked to the sidelines and went, ah, lads, now, you know, you're getting a bit carried away with this. Like, this, we are not a setup. I'm definitely not a setup to run that on a regular basis. Um... I think one of the things, and Dayball is right, credit goes everywhere, Slate had a big catch, Barkley did, you know, did some great stuff, but Daniel Jones has been much maligned during his entire career, that was the game of his career, and I think according to going in, the last few games has probably been the best he's played as a Giant last night, was superb, as a leader, uh, as a QB, um, and indeed, uh, slightly to our surprise, as a, a very regular rusher, leading the Giants in rushing as well. Fair play to them. Um, And the Vikings, you remember the Unholy Trilogy? Brian reminded me, you said, you always say, don't back the Vikings, don't bet on the Vikings. You can't rely upon the Vikings. I do. And I forgot myself. So um, they've blown it again. And whatever about Daniel Jones's five years as the Giants QB, that was Kirk Cousins' first playoff home game in five years with the Minnesota Vikings and who knows the way things are going and that could be his last because at what point does patience run out um, with, consist- with that inconsistency or consistent lack of performance uh, TJ had did have a great game but that's what was happening he was hitting him all the time and Jefferson and Thielen weren't getting into the game as Brian Riley called out the Giants defense job to limit Justin Jefferson probably the most electric receiver in the NFL to 7 catches and 47 yards is an art form in itself so fair play to the giants and yeah three times the charm. third time to the charm next week i'm sure brian will be be telling us very shortly against the philadelphia Ravens.
0: indeed well, we'll hear more about that as it comes up all right well listen that um uh that concludes i think oh sorry no jesus we have the that this crazy one uh the ravens and the bengals i and so as a as a just a weird shout out I sometimes watch the highlights of these. The NFL do those very nice little recaps, but also they've recently started doing on uh, Instagram stories. You can flick through stories for the biggest plays of the game, and it's a brilliant way to watch it because I was like, oh, great, let me just get the big plays." And the end of this game is unbelievable with the turnover and the 98-yard touchdown, and then there's, like, then the throw at the end where it was, like, fingertips, and the game could have been different. I, like... Honest to goodness. Anyway, that's that's my uh, reaction to what looked like an astonishing game. So maybe I'll go to you, Christina, first on this one with the Ravens and the Bengals. Talk, talk to me about this and, and, and how it played out
3: for you. You know what? You can't actually make this up. You really couldn't make this up. It was such a phenomenal play. It really and truly was. There was one minute and 12 left, I think, on the clock coming towards this particular point when Hubbard returned, um, Tyler Huntley's on the- the 98 yard touchdown right away. It was like amazing. I think I actually screamed, but, anyways, um, not just that would have been
0: late to be screaming as well.
3: I know, I know, I know, but it is what it is. I'm only praying (laughs) that Colm gets his tracksuit before he goes to Arizona. So, if you do have a Bengals tracksuit knocking around firmly in white, give it to Colm, please. It'd be great to have it. Look, and I think what's really interesting about this team is that Cincinnati, um, overcame the loss of a third. String or a third starting offence lineman so far this year due to injury just before the weekend actually came along uh, which is Jonah Williams. He was injured last week. He got himself out of the game though within the first half today. Joe Burrow got sacked three times. Wasn't it three times? This weekend. You know, and it was quite interesting. I think for me though this game was shrouded and clouded by Lamar Jackson not being there. The whole week there was rumours about Lamar Jackson and his contract with Baltimore and just after You know, I understand Baltimore were quite frustrated with this, but just after one of the players did say, if we had Lamar here, we would have won. That just signified to me that the team just isn't gelling as a team together. Whereas you can see with the Bengals, they believe in Joe Burrow. They believe in what they're doing so far. The Baltimore defense, though, was solid. You have to say, you have to give them their kudos there. It actually was a solid defense this week that we've seen from Baltimore. I feel for them, I really do, but they can't let Lamar be the only reason that they get towards advancing in the playoffs. They've survived without him so far. They can't use him as an excuse that they didn't get through.
0: Indeed, Mark. Any uh, uh,
4: add-ons to that?
3: Oh no, I'm really? I mean, that
4: Christina Riley calls out the the offensive line woes of the Bengals. We kind of question whether T G could hold up at right tackle, and now they are effectively down depending on recovery times three of their starting offensive line for next week's game, both tackles and Alex Kappa, um, who is obviously a big um, off season free agent addition to shore up that line. And that's a problem. I I had to check Christina. Burrow got sacked four times. Sorry. I knew it was at least three. I was with you. I did everything. And and that's back to the, the experience he had last off season. I mean, Again, we're talking about teams that did perform better than we expected in many respects. The Ravens were not just keeping this close. I mean, yes, it was a divisional game; it was rock and type of football, but they were 17-0 when Hundley's there on the goal line trying to sneak it in. Um, Harbour today or last night actually came out with, "Oh well, we actually drew that play up. He was supposed to go low. He wasn't supposed to go high. So we've got to execute that better." basically criticizing him for going high and then obviously being turned over um but but fundamentally i mean that's the memory a lot of people are going to have about this it was such a critical play because the bengals were likely going behind by three or seven and just ended on whether the ravens would convert and all of a sudden you got big sam Hubbard, god loves a big man run doing a 98 yard fumble return the longest ever fumble return in the history of the nfl um uh, maybe a sister. That's them. a good start. The longest it ever. You like that one? Thought um, you like that one. Maybe a little bit of a block in the back. Uh, at The very end. There's certainly some Ravens fans were calling out loudly and live. I was like, uh, I wasn't really. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm doing it. As soon as the as soon as the uh, the blocker puts his hands up, you know he's done something wrong. You know he's, he's done. done... I'll with sp- another little insight. Um, Dante Scarnaccia uh, was doing an interview he's the very famous uh, offensive line coach for the Patriots for about 30 years he actually said that at one point he coached his players not to put their hands up because it indicated guilt so when someone goes down and said, just stand there don't put your hands up, don't try to say I did nothing it because it indicates guilt um, and it, it certainly looked guilty on that return, but 98 yards trundling down an absolutely critical play which made all of the difference Um, and yeah, we are only a couple weeks away from looking at the Bengals as, oh my god everything's clicking, the offensive line is jelly, it's fantastic, they've literally gone Collins goal, Kaffer in week 18, uh, and now Williams with the dislocated kneecap in this game, Um, and they are three big blows to try to have to deal with, but that's for next week Um, they they did what they had to do. They did it this time they did it this
0: time. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to need one of you at some point to verse me in the rules of blocking. Like, if you could do that in soccer, it'd be brilliant. You'd score so many more goals. I don't understand it. It's like, just knock that guy out of the way and give him an L dig. And I was like, that looks very dodge. So it apparently was a bit dodge. So right. uh, I've done that in gaming for years, Keller. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do it just trying to get to the front of the queue at the local shop sometimes. They they don't like me down there, but that's fine. That's a different discussion. Okay, uh, uh, Brian, what about your quick thoughts on this one? Uh,
2: amazing game. There's none of talk about this foul on the return today. It's a spot foul, though. It's a spot foul. Like, the Bengals would still have got the ball at the 22-yard twi- line. It wouldn't have been a case of the Ravens continuing to maintain the ball, so... It was the same in the Patriots-Jets game, Mark. I remember on the punt return? Everybody was giving it about the Patriots player pushing the Jets player off. Everyone in a spot felt. That was quite, that was side-on, Brian, side-on. Oh, OK. Well, look, the nature is, the, the reality is it doesn't matter to them. It is what it is. Um, I This quarterback sneak, it, how is it a sneak, though? He's in, he's in, he's in uh, a shotgun position. Like, I don't even understand what the play is because he, he catches the ball and then he runs to the end zone trying to lunge in. OK, whether you're supposed to go underneath or go over. It's a bizarre play because surely if he's going to do a sneak from a one-yard out like Captain Corp did for the Vikings and we saw Brock Poe do on Saturday, surely you should be on centre and trying to get in and have your offensive line shove you into the end zone as opposed to having a run like Superman at it. Um, I think as well as that, the Ravens at the end, two-minute drill, they have the ball at the 28-yard line with one twenty five on, on the clock, they call kind the of a check-down play and then they huddle up and they lose 40 seconds off the clock. You could have got five plays off in the NFL world if you control the clock better. They basically were in a position where they needed as many players with the clock that they that they had left to put put themselves in a position to score a touchdown and they allowed forty seconds to run off the clock and leave twenty four seconds left. Doesn't doesn't make any doesn't make any sense. It was like Harbor can criticize the quarterback but essentially his guys are on the sideline. Um I don't know the Ravens fans who didn't want Greg Roman to be the offensive coordinator in season and they felt Wig Martin there was the fall guy. When he got fired by him as defence coordinator, I'd be surprised if Greg Roman is the offence coordinator come September when we kick off another season. It was a disappointing end to a season which I thought the Ravens really probably were the better side and should have gone- got this one over nine. But the Bengals fight for another day and then have a big test against the Bills next weekend. And be interested to see which team offence shows up next weekend.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Colin, close this one out for us. Give us your thoughts.
1: Uh, I th- think this was uh, um, a difficult matchup for the the Bengals. Uh, I think you know, we t- like we probably not talked about. I mean, Brian is right to call out some of the stuff, but like ultimately, the the drop at the end, and you called it out, like that. Could have this could have been so different. This could have been yeah. completely different. And if he just adjusts his feet, I and mean, he gets caught by by surprise, and I imagine he will have nightmares over that. For so for all of Greg Roman's fault, and they are numerous. I mean, they the Elder Scrolls wouldn't, uh, you know, <laughs> give you enough um, parchment for for all of the the litany of errors. It could have been so so different. Um, this is going to be. It's all about Lamar and where Lamar ends up. I don't think the vibe is right in Baltimore at all. Um, Dobbins came out afterwards. Christina talked about his his comments on uh, Lamar from Lamar but Blake, but he also not only that said, "Why we didn't I get I uh, get the ball more?" So yeah, Brian has mentioned Greg Roman. There's all sorts to, to figure out uh, in in Baltimore. I think it will be a, a season of much change, um, but I imagine it's like with the, with the way things are with Lamar, unless there's a, a complete change of coaching staff, it seals like uh tag and trade, but uh we we will see. We will
0: see indeed. And if you want to see good things about Baltimore, if you haven't watched the Wire yet, people, watch it. It's the greatest thing ever. Okay. Alright, we're nearly uh run uh, up on time here. So I want to do get your uh predictions for this uh game tonight actually. Uh so it's the Bucks uh and the Cowboys. It's kind of a case of who do you want to win less. Um and I know that uh, Brady uh Versus his name. You all uh, love him, I know. Not all of you, sorry. Uh is seven and in his career against Cowboys. So let's hear your predictions and let's uh, let's uh let's let's make it brief here just so we uh we can get in uh, uh everyone's thoughts. Uh, so I'll turn to you
2: first, uh Brian. If the Cowboys lose tomorrow, the uh Sean Payton Love train will only be uh, even further announced with uh, the Cowboys and the whole <laughs> star line that- Jerry Jones would love to have him there and potentially could be at the end of the character's time there. This is a this one is a difficult one. Genuinely, I, all week I've been back and forth. And for a long time I felt it was the Bucs. But I've been looking back at the Bucs this season and they've got away with it so many times in games. I, I think of the Rams game. I think of that Saints game. I think of the Panthers game in the fourth quarter where it was, so, you know, it was so one-sided and the Panthers dominated for so long and they kind of wet the bed in the end and, and they Brady to to come back in the man whilst the ah they, stop will you and whilst <laughs> the defence for the Cowboys has been a bit erratic lately and they haven't been getting the interceptions I still think they've more than enough guys that can put pressure on Brady and Brady's been struggling throughout the season he hasn't had the players at his disposal that we've seen in the past and I'll go Cowboys I think they've still got enough offensively and if that can maintain the consistency we saw earlier on the season and just turn the ball over they've got Lamb they've got Pollard I think he's a huge X factor And even the Zeke, I think the Cowboys. Cowboys? Cowboys for me. Okay, Cowboys for you. Christina, who's
0: your call?
3: I'm going with the Cowboys. This also could be Tom Brady's last game ever. Full stop. It may not be, depending on how it goes. But I definitely think that he just doesn't have that O-line snapped up. He doesn't have a Rob Gronkowski to be able to help him along. So it's going to be the Cowboys with the most hot and cold quarterback in the NFL.
4: Oh, Indeed. Okay, Mark, your call, your pick. Uh so the Cowboys have not won an away playoff game, Bro playoff game since 1992, and they are seven and0 uh, oh, sorry, no, they're not. They're Owen seven against Tom Brady during his entire career. So what they really need is a white knight to run into the rescue and to save them from this you know, despair in relation to it. Actually, random fact: Dominic West is the son-in-law of the Knight of Glint, who played Jimmy McNulty. Tom Nequit. In the one area. How about you? going back to that? Just random trivia that has nothing to do with this alley. Uh, it's perfect. I am like Brian and Christine. I can definitely see that the Cowboys have more than enough weaponry. They have more than enough knights willing to sacrifice themselves. But I don't know. The old man slings it one more time before getting obliterated in the next round. I'm going to go for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers somehow, some way, defying logic to win this game.
0: Oh, going for the old Tom Brady vote as always. Good man. Okay, I'm Colin closing out. What's your pick on this one?
1: I admire Brian and Christina bringing logic and reason and uh, Mm -hmm. cold hard facts and analysis. But life isn't fair, The Universe Mm -hmm. is stacked against you. And there is only one man it is tilted towards. It's Tom Brady. Tom Brady is, as we have said, 7-0 uh, against the Cowboys. And he's 7-0 because he won earlier in the season. And if you go back on the sidelines that day, there is footage of Tom Brady pointing out the fact that he has never lost to the Cowboys. That he doesn't intend to lose to the Cowboys. He is obsessive and he will get the, the win tonight, which will mean that he will go 8-0. And it will also mean that he equals Dallas's record in terms of playoff victories. The world is, uh, you know, will continue to to turn whether humanity is around or not for another five billion years. But ultimately, when the sun expands and uh, envelops this planet, probably the last thing that will ever happen is somebody, maybe an ancestor of uh, Mark Hotwell. Will talk about, or a descendant of Mark we will talk about Tom Brady's Super Bowl victories. Oh, what a thought that is. I was thinking when
0: Christina said this might be his last ever game, I thought, and at the end of the game, he'll just ascend up into the alien mothership he came from in the first place. Um, but sure, let's see. Um, okay, well, listen, great stuff. You've all got a couple of different picks there. Um, I hate to say it, but I feel like Tom Brady might do it as well. But, uh, you know, my, my opinion is based on just nothing really. Um, Although some lovely metaphors, I suppose. Let's take those as, as the guiding light here. Um, Okay. Well, then, that is our calls for this game. That's the uh, show. So let's just have a quick look at any last
4: comments, Brian, if you have them, um, or Christina, and uh, and we'll, we'll go with those. While, while they're talking. T- bringing that up Stephen just had one up there kelly which is a good one i mean tom brady's accomplished everything he's got every postseason record under the sun 47 games 35 wins super bowl titles passing yards touchdown passes but as i just called out and i mentioned it last week dan marino 99 won a tight game wildcard game against the seattle Seahawks, and then got obliterated 62-7 by the jacksonville jaguars um tom brady those Seahawks were in the AFC at the time, so um, Tom Brady has the chance uh, potentially to mirror that, as Stephen is calling out his comment. Fair enough. Any other comments for us, Brian?
2: Um, just around the body language of, of Lamar, or is that Lamar? Sorry, Lamar not being there. Harbour's body language is very strange. Yeah, throughout the course of the game, even his interview at halftime, he was he was kind of a bit abrasive. I felt and didn't seem like his usual self, and what we're used to seeing. It seems like there's a lot going on in the background in, in, in Baltimore. I wonder if some sides really consider, you know, it's time to move on. He's been there. He's had a great career as head coach, and maybe the time is just coming to a status still there.
0: Yeah, maybe so. uh no, what was your true Nothing else was Ricard. Colin, you had one last thing you wanted to throw in
1: there. Yeah, Cali, like just in, in terms, um, maybe away from the, the playoffs, um, just... This week, I would keep an eye. I think this is the week we'll begin to see head coaching dominoes fall. Um, Statement in the last uh, little while from the president at Michigan saying he expects, he's been on the phone to Jim Harbaugh, um, speaking of Harbaugh's, and he expects he will be back to coach at at Michigan. Uh, We've seen uh, Sean Payton on Colin Cowherd earlier today saying he thinks that it's uh, one first round, one mid to late first round pick for him. Uh, So I expect uh, he will be meeting with teams from tomorrow. And uh, there's quite a few dominoes. I think uh, teams can begin to talk to people this week. So expect to see things happen on that uh, for all of the teams who are no longer in the playoff picture.
3: Just saying, a Pats player, former Pats player, Super Bowl winner, Monty Fort, has just been picked up as the new GM for the Cardinals just announced about 40 minutes ago. Another Pats person to win the Super Bowl again.
0: Oh, God. Okay, and on that cheery note, I think it's probably time to call it a night. Thank you, Colin. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, Mark. And thank you for all of you sticking with us and the comments. And thanks for the great football this weekend. I'll be watching again this weekend. And we'll see you soon for the next preview round of all the good stuff that's coming. And there's loads of other stuff going out uh, with the Irish NFL show. So keep an eye out on the socials and everywhere else that we are.
1: All right. Good night, everybody. Be well.